Welcome to Business Aspirin, pain relief for business. Clint Junell has managed a restoration company in Dallas since 2008 and is one of the top drying experts in his region. Clint is also the co-founder of JobDocs, a software developed to help his team manage their overwhelming volume of projects. On the podcast, Clint brings together business managers and leaders to share with you how they have overcome their business pains and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Clint Junell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Business Aspirin. I'm your host, Clint Janelle. And today with me, I have Chris Allen. Chris, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing all right, brother, man. I appreciate the time and having me on. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell us your role, your company, uh, all the things that kind of got you where you are. Uh, and let's let's just kind of dig into it. Yeah. So my name's Chris. Uh, work with Service Master uh, Trifecta out of Nashville. Uh, I got here about five years ago. We moved from a small town uh, in Arkansas. My wife's a nurse. I was working off on the railroad, gone five, six nights a week. And she was like, hey, look, your family's in Nashville. I've got an opportunity there. We're going to make the move. Uh, I did military police and the Army prior to that. So we're like, okay, look, I'm going to move to Nashville, work for Metro Police Department, but you need a job short term. I applied for service master, got an interview. And they're like, yep, we'll hire you as a water technician. A uh, very short time frame, I moved into a lead tech PM role capacity, uh, and then opportunity came up to move to construction. And uh, so I moved over to construction, and at the time, the pay was very comparable to what the police department was going to offer me. Uh, I was allowed to be home every night, not on the streets, and my wife and I made said, like, look, they've invested in you, given you an opportunity to stick with it, and here we are five years later. I went from a water tech to construction manager to the general manager. Now I run our commercial accounts in both locations from Louisville to Nashville area. I do a lot of work with corporate on national accounts, a lot of coaching training with those guys. So it's been a very fluid uh, five years, but it's been a blessing in disguise. Restoration is a type of industry. If you want to stay busy, change of pace, something different every day, always looking for process improvements, uh, profitability analysis, all of those things. It's a career path that affords you that opportunity. Uh, yeah, coming from prior military, it just aligns with who I am as a person. Yeah, that's well, awesome, dude. Um, and so it's it's interesting that you say what you say. I, and certainly I'm in support of our police and first responders and obviously our military. And that's important. And I think it's significant. But at the same time, this is an easier job, a safer job uh, in today's yep. environment, right, than being out on the streets. I, I've got a couple of ex-military people that work for us that um, – you know, we're, we're in law enforcement and one of them, a female administrator for us. That's like, like, I don't want to be on the streets anymore. Like it's, <laughs> you know, and so like, I'll, it's changing, I'll change times, change. man. Yeah. It's different. So kudos on being able to make that decision and that uh, opportunity falling in your lap, man. And that's super exciting. So let's talk a little bit about like the restoration space and what your real role is and what you do day to day in the restoration space with service master trifecta. Yeah, so right now I run all of construction operations for our Nashville location. I also help with the Louisville office up there. We've got a PM come up there and help them on their bigger complex jobs, things like that. And then anytime we have a commercial loss, large loss, I'm always involved operating basically as a coordinator. Uh, I'll come and assess the loss, get the PMs on site, get equipment trucked in, whatever we need to do, and then help coordinate that but keep all the client communication stuff. I'll handle that aspect of it and allow the PMs and the technicians to do what they're strong at. Uh, that's one of the biggest issues we find in commercial large losses. You get so many chiefs in there uh, and they'll get overwhelmed where you need to just kind of let these technicians and PMs do what they know how to do, what they're certifying great at, and keep the burden of clients' communication and the protocols and all of those things uh, off their plates. And so that's something that I help them with. Nice. 
Okay. So then uh, you guys, uh, you're you're deploying nationally on some of these things as well, or just yeah, all so in the national area? Yeah. So we'll mobilize. <clears throat> we work a lot with, with corporates uh, like Jeff DeWitt at National Accounts. You know, he'll let me know that, hey, we got storms coming in in Florida, hurricanes coming. If we need to mobilize and assist the bigger franchise, the SRM, we'll, we'll help in any capacity needed. Uh, we'll help with the logistics, equipment routing, personnel on site. It just depends on the types of claims or variables that come across. Yeah, sure. Which changes daily, right? Like there's always kind of new things involved in this space. It's interesting every what, day what you navigate. So what what's your wheelhouse then in uh commercial losses? What do you what do you guys primarily partake in? Or is there one? Like are you mostly hospitality or apartment? Like where where you guys land? It's, yeah, we do a lot of hospitality, a lot of the apartments complexes. Like right now we're doing a seven figure reconstruction project on an apartment building. So it just depends. We'll take anything that we get. And, you know, everyone wants to look for that niche. The niche is really just being able to be fluid and be willing to adapt to any type of claim that comes across. Sure. Absolutely. Which is important. And honestly, like there's some military background that helps you figure that stuff out too, right? It's like, yeah, hey. So that's it, the it, best part about service master military, man, is it's very, very similar. It's very team driven, right? So restoration work, if you break things down to the fundamental and stay within a team environment, there's not many jobs or claims that you can't get done. You just have to break it down to the fundamentals, whether it's a commercial loss or a residential loss. The fundamentals are the same. The scope, the finances, you know, they grow and they change, but the fundamentals, drying is drying. The reconstruction is reconstruction. So yeah. if you partnered things with a team, and we, we are structured military uh, in service master here in Nashville, uh, my operations leader, my senior estimator, production manager, they're all military, um, prior military. So we, we, we look for that. We thrive on that. Awesome, man. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Appreciate oh, what absolutely. you did. 82nd Airborne, I think, is what I had read. Yep. Uh, yeah. And just multitude of things. I did active duty for minutes, then went to the Reserve National Guard, uh, deployed with Task Force 310. So we deployed with, you know, uh, 82nd Airborne, 101st, uh, 10th Mountain. We've deployed numerous guys. Uh, our <laughs> unit's been attached to a lot of them. So it's uh, it was a journey. I miss yeah. it. I've got three little ones at home. So the wife's like, hey, it's time to, uh, you know, get out and uh, find another career path. So, yeah, well, and this one's a good one uh, and, and does oh, function very similarly. Just because at some level in the restoration space, you can have best laid plans of what you're doing today. And that can change. And, like you may be uh, sitting here on this podcast and in a moment get a notification. You got to drop and do something else because that's just what happens <laughs> in our space. Right. And, yes, and that's what happens in the military. So it's definitely cool that it kind of leads to that same, like you've been trained uh, prior to how to navigate some of the restoration space. And I think that's interesting. And I like what you said in regard to, like, I don't extract water different just because it's a commercial job as opposed to a residential job. I don't extract water different just because it's a hundred thousand square feet instead of 10,000 square feet. It's still the same process, maybe more people, maybe more equipment, but it's still the same. And, And it's interesting because there are a lot of guys that get overwhelmed uh, when they run into opportunities on the commercial side, they just don't think they can handle and likely they potentially could uh, in in regard to handling the project. In some cases, they need to build relationships with other contractors that do what they do. You know, uh, you guys are big, obviously, if you're doing what you're doing. But there are, there are guys that listen to our podcast that are still trying to get to a million bucks or trying to get to three million dollars in revenue. And those guys, you know, if they have relationships with other like-minded restoration contractors that are small, they could go tackle a big job together. Both of them could do more than they're capable of doing individually, which is where that team concept comes in that you were talking about, right? Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I mean, restoration is a very small network. 
doesn't matter what company you work for. If it's um, a different competitor, they all say compete, right? But it's the same. Uh, I've learned more within inter-networking, within Service Master, reaching out to different franchises. Uh, Memphis, we have an SRM franchise there that they coached and taught me a lot. I've been doing it for five years, but again, I started as a water tech. And when you go run six, seven-figure claims, it can be overwhelming. But if you see everything as coaching, you reach out, you talk to other franchises. We worked in partnerships with a Paul Davis and Surf Pros on jobs to get a claim done, to get to the client that needed to be satisfied. And they've reached out to us and, hey, do you have additional resources you can work with us on? Like, yeah, we'll, we'll tap in. And uh, we'll get the client. And we can learn from them and they can learn from us. It's all about coaching and networking. Yeah. Well, and, and willingness to adapt and learn, right? You go, hey, and, and, and kudos to you for going, hey, I've been at this for five years now and I'm willing to learn because there's new stuff that happens daily. Uh, and yeah. I've been in the space for a long time and there's always something new. Even when you think you've seen everything you could possibly see and you've had the weirdest, strangest situations, there That's will be a time when something's going to be like, oh, <laughs> Interesting. I didn't see that one coming. So I get it. Uh, so let's talk about something like in, in terms of what you're doing. Obviously, you've run into some hiccups along the way in the path. Uh, let's talk about some of the 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 business pains or the hiccups that you've hit uh, in your career with Service Master. And then how what process did you use to overcome those hiccups? So some of the biggest things I think that all restriction and respite, right, is labor and time. You've got to find people that are willing to do this type of work and stay it and find that career path. And the biggest benefit to overcome the hiccup is we looked and so said, look, guys, it's not a job. It's a career and it's an opportunity. You've got to, and we created a career path. So if you take these classes, get these certifications, we'll pay for them. Here's a career path. We've got guys that have worked for us for 15, 20 years, and they make a good livelihood, take care of their families. But you also have to present it to them like we could use that. I was prior military, want to do law enforcement so this calling for me was more about helping the community. And this is a job that does that, right? So every day there's a person that's having a disaster to them. And it may not be a huge disaster to us, but it's a disaster to them. And it's an opportunity to help the community. Uh, and so you, you can present that to your new hires or to your team and to your, your sales efforts. Then you're going to have people that want to feel that calling. And that'll help alleviate that uh, labor shortage that we come. You know, we do program work. We do local work. There's a difference of how you process those claims. TPA guidelines change every month, every week. They get stricter. Uh, the economy changes. Uh, Priceless supposedly go up and down per month. You never know. So you have to get creative with efficiencies. Um, and that's coming into inter-networking and reaching out to other franchises. Like, what are you doing better than us? And how can we learn? We operate on EOS. Um, and it's... It's been a phenomenal tool for us. We break everything down to IDS and as a team, we have rocks and to-dos and we, we set those milestones of what needs to be accomplished to get us to the next level. And by yeah. following those processes, you know, we've able to overcome a lot of those labor issues. When McDonald's is paying people 18, 20 bucks an hour, and that's typically what you would pay an entry-level technician, you have to get creative. It's a lot easier to make a hamburger than it's to go do water drying and demoing out of house. So you have to have a good culture and and give that career opportunity to people. Well, that's awesome, man. And so you guys are doing that. Like, so let's talk about that. I mean, I, I know obviously using EOS is significant. Uh, and there's a lot of guys that have been on this podcast that actually have gone through traction and using EOS and uh, yep. some of the things that we've done. And, and I think it's beautiful. Like we love it. We go through it. It's all part of the process for us as well. But then other than EOS, uh, is that what you're using? Is that how you're solving the problem on labor shortages is trying to create the culture or 
So yeah, we'll use EOS to really identify and then you have to self-assess and it just gives us a platform for 90 minutes a week to sit down and say, okay, are we right? Are we wrong? How do we, you know, reach out to new people? We'll reach out to career fairs. We go to people exiting out of the military. Luckily we have a yeah. military base in Clarksville's not far from us. Those guys transitioning out always need opportunities. They don't know what they want to do next in their life sometimes. Uh, and so we reach out to them and, uh, and it's been successful. We we've been staffed for a while. COVID COVID was a big issue, I think, for a lot of restoration companies because labor it still was is, right? It still is. Yeah. I think it's created this this wave it's of people can work remote and not have to be in the field, but in restoration, you've got to do it. And yeah. uh, and so you can also use temporary labor. There's a lot of different companies that will offer you resources on a temporary basis, and that's been very successful for us using some temporary labor firms. But doing construction uh, and having our subcontractors has been a huge benefit in solving our labor issues. So if we get a large commercial job, and I need a lot of demo, I can reach out to some of my subcontracts and say, look, man, I need to have 30 guys on this job within 36 hours. Can you help? Just give me what resources you can. If you know how to build a home, you know how to demo a home. And we've been very, very blessed with some subcontractors that have always answered the call when we need. And by being a part of Service Master in the network, uh, we reach out to local franchises. We'll reach out to you know the SRMs. Uh, out of Memphis, and they'll send us additional personnel supplies. So it's you, you've got to have that one team, one fight mentality. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I love it. I love it. And so a lot of guys don't have that, right? So there's a whole bunch of guys going to listen to this podcast, a whole bunch of restoration contractors that are not part of a networking group specifically or a franchise model where they have those other resources. So what would you suggest to those guys? Honestly, Facebook is as, as, as crazy as that sounds. There's a lot of restoration groups on there. Um, and you can make contact with certain people. Um, but if I give out my information, I'm always taking calls with different restoration people in the space, trying to learn and connect. Um, but, you know, take that time to sit down and really say, okay, how can we get more people? There's kids transitioning out of high school that are not ready to don't want to go to college. Those are opportunities to help give them opportunities. Go to the career folks, go to your local military installation, say, look, you guys have got a lot of people transitioning out. Uh, you know, this may be a short-term job for them to get on their feet coming out of active duty or the reserves uh, and just things like that to to help find that labor. Sure. Well, then too, military, most of, for the most part, you can trust Yes. <laughs> those individuals, right? Like the, yep. if they haven't and been they dishonorably love, discharged love or done something stupid, then you're yep. going to be able to trust what they're doing and they're going to be able to work hard. And they, they, in a lot of cases, want the instruction. They want to learn. They want to be molded to, to fit. They want to help. They want to do what you want them to do. Right. Which is yep. great, man. And, and I love that aspect of it. Um, yeah. Currently any challenges that not without being necessarily project specific, what are some challenges that you are currently facing in your role? I think sincerely, one of the challenges we face is right profitability and what is profitability? Like what is your target gross margins on a mitigation claim? Are you trying to do 50% to 80% uh, construction? Are you trying to do 20% to 40%? So we're, we're doing a deep analysis on that right now, trying to figure out what our target margin is. As you grow from a half mil to a million to 2 million to 3 million, there's all kinds of new variables that will pop up and problems that you didn't anticipate, right? right? Are you, am, am I going to do a million dollars of yearly revenue, just say in construction, but do it at a 40% gross margin and be happy with that profitability? Or do I want to do three or 4 million, but still make the same amount of money? There's a lot of headaches for that difference. Um, so we just, we're, we're adapting, we're evaluating right now as the business of like where we want to go. We're growing every year. And so with that, we've had to see back to labor, We've had to bring in, I was a GM. 
we grew to a certain point and say, Chris, look, you're very strong in commercial. You love construction. We're going to bring in an operational manager to take that role and get you where you're strong. And now we have, you know, thrived. But I had to take that feedback from my coach, you know, Brian, and, and talk with him. He's like, look, we're getting to the business to a certain point, And I know my limitations. I want to stay in the commercial space. I want to do construction. You're the owner. I've got to be very transparent with you. I need some help being, and he's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And we, we found a prior military guy, Maurice, a former Marine. He came in and he's coached me and taught me further things than I can do. But I think to the labor side and getting efficiency with the profitability, you, you've got to be honest with your leadership team about where you're at, where you're strong and don't hide. Right. If, if you're struggling with to under hit profitability goals, go to your leadership team and say, Hey, look, I need help IDS in this. Okay, we need to change out a work order process. We need to tap into different subcontractors. Let's reach right. out to fellow franchises. What are y'all doing that's successful? And we've learned that if you treat your subs fair and you pay them very well and you pay them on time and you come to a mutual understanding of everything, they will grind and they will get to the next job faster. The the customer service level goes up and now I can expand my resources. But Cash flow is real, right? Because carriers can take forever to pay you on certain projects, but your subs need to be paid. So there's a balance. Sure. But if you if you got the culture right and you've got a good relationship and you keep getting new leads uh, or jobs in the hopper and keep going, then cash flow will improve. Um, and you've got to find a way to fill the gap. That's the biggest thing I've noticed is the gap between you get a six-figure loss or seven-figure job. You've got to fill that gap. The next one comes because they don't come every day. It may only sure. have one a year. So you've got to take a lot of smaller claims and different things uh, to fill that gap and get the profitability where you need to be as an organization. Uh, and and as you have- grow, right, you're gonna your expenses are gonna change, your overhead's gonna change, and you've got to navigate that because now if I start doing contents and I need a place to process contents, then I'm gonna have to have that equipment, and, and if I've got to have extra storage space for those contents then all of that is a real expense that you have to incur. So your pricing structure, you may have to modify based on what you're doing and what you charge for and some of those things. And that, that's difficult depending on who you're working for. Meaning, is this retail work that you're getting from the, the consumer directly or is this TPA work? And then you have to modify and navigate and, and address those things uh, as a company to what serves you best. So, you know, and ideally most... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And I would say, you know, some of the smaller franchise, like we, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, we were very small. Um, and so we were, we relied heavily on TPA and program work. Um, and that's, it's a benefit. There is struggles to it, right? But you have consistent leads coming that you don't have to market and sell. The program, the network is real. It will help you with that. But as you get bigger and you're searching for different profitability measures and your overhead changes, you may have to get more into the local work. So we hired salespeople. Um, you know, Lauren and Ian, they're phenomenal. And Roddy, they'll come in, they meet with the insurance agents themselves. Because a lot of people have a water loss and don't know who to call. They don't know the claims number. They just call their agent. So now we're getting that first call and that first notification of loss directly from the insurance agents instead of waiting on a TPA to call us. Right. And it's been very, very successful for us. It's reaching out to local agents and building those relationships within the community. Well, and as you grow, most most guys, as they grow, want to move away from the TPA stuff. Yep. Simply because of the challenges and the restrictions and the fights with the adjusters and some of those things, which don't go away simply because you get rid of the, the TPA work. You still fight with the adjuster about, hey, I need to get paid for this. And it's just part of, of where we're at, and what we do. Um, but I get it, man. So let's talk about what is a mistake you've seen 
uh, other companies, other service masters, other vendors, whatever that you've watched, even in, inside your own company, uh, a mistake that was made that's hard to fix. Like what is some problem that exists that takes a lot of effort to correct? Being reactionary is a huge mistake, right? So we have had a cat event um, and you get a multitude of claims coming in. You have 70, 80 claims to offer. You can't get to them all. And then you're trying to say, okay, this is a large loss. This is residential. The TPAs are saying that you've got to do all these. You've got to hit them in cycle time. And being reactionary and just saying, okay, well, we're not. We're going to get out of our processes. You're going to get out of the fundamentals of how we intake a claim and get out of having our office administrator intake the call, get it to the coordinators, then the PMs are dispatching. Um, and then, oh, well, now I need new trucks um, just so I, I can get to these next jobs. Oh, now I got to go, you know, buy another 300 air movers um, and you make that financial investment. Well, that cat stops, but you still have now the financial commitment to those vehicles, to the people, uh, to the overhead and, and to the equipment that we purchased. And so you just got to know your niche and stay in that lane and say, look, we're at capacity. This is where we want to be. Don't take it if you can't facilitate it. That's the biggest mistake I've made personally is taking a claim, but not being able to give that client the level of satisfaction and service that they deserve because I stretch myself too thin and taken on too much work. Uh, it's a um, hard thing to say no, but at times you have to. Yeah. And, and I love hearing you say that because there are a lot of people in the space that won't be transparent like that because there are a ton of people that have gone out of business in that same environment, right? A cat event can, can make you, but it can also break you just as quickly. And there are so many more that have been broken as a result of stepping into something they weren't prepared for and taking on a commitment they weren't ready for. And for me, like I've never wanted to be in an environment where I took somebody away from a job that they had that was paying them well because of an emergency need that we had and think that I was going to be able to keep them busy that entire time. Cat events come and go. Um, yes. You may get you may get one every year. Maybe you're lucky enough that you're going to get one every year. But is, is that a reality? No. And so you can't build your business based off of that. If the, in 90 days and that cat event is over and you've finished everything up that you got to be doing and you're still trying to collect, you're in a bind if you can't sustain that that load. So having you say that out loud to the people on the podcast is is really valuable, dude. So I appreciate the transparency to go. Look, we've screwed this up. We took we bought yeah. on too much equipment. We didn't need all that equipment for this time. We haven't utilized all of it at any one given time at the same time anymore. And like, there's a lot of guys that have been through that. And yeah, our former uh, uh, Mike Middleton, our former revenue officer, uh, it's one thing he coached and taught me on is like, if you can't deliver on what we're selling and the commitment to the the brand and our core values, then don't get into it. Yeah. Um, because the damage that can be created with the rest uh, with the relationship, whether it's a TPA or it's a local adjuster or local agencies or your salesperson, the relationships they've built. If you can't deliver on what we know we can, um, the damage, it can be taxing and you may not be able to recover from it. So it's hard to say no to money. Everyone wants to Absolutely say, yeah, give me another 30 claims. Uh, yeah. You know, we average a $4,000 mid job, give me another 30 of them. And then the issues arise. And then the cycle time grows. The, you can't get it closed. Uh, if it's on construction, your punch out list grows too long because you've got too many claims. You stretch yourself too thin. So identify the niche, identify your capacity, put a buffer in there of 5%, right? So we could do 50 claims in a month, just say that. And we feel good. We can probably get to 55, 60, but we were going to be stretched. We got some resources. Just start building those action plans and have a secondary and tertiary you know, system ready to go for when those cats. So we're actually in discussion of doing a dry run. And so we'll have someone call the office, 
set up 50 claims coming through and we're going to practice processing those and practice doing like a military a simulated war game triaging them get them intake through our system getting crews dispatched tracking them on our system okay are we docu sketching or we have our moisture logs done as our initial estimates done and tracking those and just so when the next events happen we're better we're going to have some cost you know doing those simulated exercises but the benefit and rewards when the events actually happen and us being prepared We'll pay dividends 10x over. Should, it should be great, right? It should be great. And I think it's the reality of doing that is pretty good, Good, right? Significant uh, investment in your company to try to navigate, hey, what can we ha- handle? Because truthfully, like what you were mentioning, and if you get spread thin, then you don't do the end jobs well, but the ones you took on to start with also don't get done well. So now you're producing a subpar product throughout your entire company, which is less than valuable. Like I, we had a cat event in in DFW in twenty one, a massive one, uh, with the big freezes and all that stuff was taking place. And I handed off to uh, a, a contractor that's a good friend of mine now, obviously, <laughs> a four and a half a four and a half million dollar project because yeah. we were buried um, in in a pretty quick period of time, and so we were doing fine. This is what we could do. I couldn't take this project on and do it well, and they were available to do it. They got a four and a half million dollar project out of the deal, and that's significant for them too. That helped kind of kicked them in the right direction on some things and they had the capacity to do it. They're out of uh, Maine or not Maine, uh, New Hampshire, Boston area, New Hampshire. And um, they had come down for the event and they, they stroked it and did a great job. And so what I hear you saying in this conversation is be willing to just do what you do and don't get overwhelmed by opportunities that could in fact cause you with significantly more problems than they're going to be beneficial. Yeah, and refer- then, God forbid you don't get it collected too, right? Because it was a problem. <laughs> yeah, then you got to get it paid. That's the other hard part, yeah. right? But but like you said, reach out to another company, another contractor, and refer and work out the restoration space. You're supporting the the industry, and that I guarantee you, by doing that, at some point they're going to have an opportunity that maybe in your local market, right? And they're going to call you and say, "Hey, man, I've got you know a six seven figure loss. You know, can you assist? Can you take it on?" Um, and that's how we, you know, we built it. Our first job we did was a, a hotel loss in Franklin. And I was the construction superintendent. I walk in, I'm on call. I'm walking. I'm like, oh, good Lord. There's 4 million gallons all throughout this first floor of this building. So I call the on-call text. They show up. I call the owner and I'm like, hey, sir, this is the biggest loss I've seen at this time. And we, we reached out to another franchise and said, hey, come in, partner with us out of Memphis Cornerstone and coach us and teach us. And then from that point, we were like commercial space is where we want to go next. And we started just building it and training and getting ready for it. But we had to be open and call for help. Oh, and sure. uh, they were been beneficial for me. I reach out to them all the time on certain things when I came to a trouble claim. So it's, you know, we're, we're our own worst enemy if we try and tackle everything alone. Right. Sure. If there's all kinds of resources out there, whether it's networking groups, podcasts, and just other restoration industry uh, people in the, in your market, just reach out. Yeah, you could do a lot by yourself just in networking if you build the right relationships. Now, you've got a team behind you that can help navigate some of this stuff. You just got to be willing to go, I don't have to do all this by myself and not view it as, oh, my gosh, well, I can't talk to Chris because he's competition. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that was a struggle for me. It's a struggle for me. It is. is I think it is for for everybody. I think it is for everybody. Like, especially... You know, this is primarily a male dominated environment and all of us have pride issues where we want to be able to 
take on the world and tackle all of it on our own, right? And uh, especially at some level with a military background, there's a lot of pride associated with that and what you're capable of accomplishing. Um, but then the team mentality kicks in. You're like, okay, this does make sense. How do I navigate this? Let's lean on some of these people a little bit more. Once you finally figure it out and you go, okay, well, 100% of not being able to do this job is zero. Um, and 50% of being able to knock out this $2 million job is a million bucks. Well, I'll take the million with this other guy getting the other million. And let's, that seems like that's a good idea. Let's do it. Yeah. It, it just takes a little bit to get there. And that's part of what the podcast is about. Like, that's one of the things I try to harp on is like, let's go get it right. And lean on some other people, build relationships, navigate some of the stuff. Everybody that's been on this podcast is willing to help. So, you know, let's, if you need help, contact us, we'll get you connected with the right person that can make that work. And I've got contacts all over the country uh, to navigate some of these things. I mean, there may be some holes in the country I don't have real good contacts with, but for the most part, <laughs> somebody, you know, does. Somebody, somebody does, somebody does, right? Somebody yep. does, you know, so it's awesome. Um, what's the best decision you've made in business? Saying no is definitely one. Um, the best decision I've made, boy, it's a great question. I would say having faith in your team to answer the call when the time is, is there. Burnout is real. People will work and they will grind and they will go. And sometimes it takes your team to see to see you and say, yep, this guy needs help. But uh, if, if you will reach out to your teammates, whether it's in the network, in your company, uh, and just say you need help, I mean, that's the best thing for me. It's kept me here. It keeps me here. I've, you know, I've been asked before, hey, man, you want to come look at joining us and join this team and come do these things? I'm like, yeah, it sounds great, man, but I've got five years of building this with this team. And – by staying committed to the to our team and to the process, even when I'm right or wrong, um, yeah. by staying committed to it, you know, I get better and I feel, you know, it's a place we've built and it's hard to leave that. Sure. So it's I, commitment. It's the commitment, yeah. right? And kudos. And restoration right? will suck. Restoration will suck you in. It's uh, yeah. once you get into it and you build that those relationships and you understand the fundamentals and it's for me, it's a calling. I get to help the community all the time. So it's, this job in itself has probably saved me, my marriage, everything. And it sounds crazy. It's like you work 24 hours a day, you're on call. I'm like, but it's got to be your calling, right? You've got to find that passion and be able to help the community members, develop teammates. I love the best thing for me is love seeing a technician that will take the next step, go to a PM. Uh, then he says, oh, yeah, I've got a team. I'm actually going to open up my own franchise or go open up my own thing. That is developing people has got to be what you look for if you want to be in restoration. Yeah, it's one of the things I tell my guys is I don't expect anybody to stay here forever. Um, and so my goal is to teach you and train you so you become more valuable to me and to the market. And maybe at some point you get to do your own thing. And I've had a few of them actually go start their own their own companies, their own systems and, and develop into other things. And some of those have gone well. Some of them haven't gone as well. But like you've got to be willing as a leader to help develop them to that level. And whatever else happens from there is not up to you, Right. Uh, so one of the things there's a, a buddy of mine that started a foundation. It was called 22 kill at one point, which is where the 22 pushup challenge came from. Now it's called one tribe foundation. Uh, but Jacob Schick said something to me the other day when we were chatting and he said, um, which this thing's going to stick with me. I just like how he says, it. he's like, do the right thing, for, do the right thing for the right reason. Trust God for the rest. Bad days are guaranteed. And <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's significant, right? It's like, yeah, and that's what we try to do is do the right thing for the right reason. Uh, I'm trusting God for the rest of it. And I know that there's going to be a time when something's not going to go the way I'd hoped for it to go. And that's okay. And as long as my team understands that too, that's okay. For you and I both, if everything went perfectly, we wouldn't even have an industry. 
Like we have an industry because things don't go the way they're supposed to. Yeah. So that's how we land. Uh, and so, you know, just at some level, be grateful for the bad days because they're going to come and it's how you navigate them and how you lead your team and how you move your team to the level of being able to move on to the next thing is, is significant. So train them for those things. And, and, hey, and I feel you, the bad days are what makes the good days even better. Right. Yeah. When you, when yeah. you hit the bad days and you're hitting the struggles of like, man, we haven't had claims in two weeks and, you know, we still have people on staff and cash flow is hurting. Uh, you've got to have faith, but those struggle times when the times are good, they're really good. And when yeah. times are bad, they're bad, but they'll build you. Be bad. They'll make you, they'll make you better for the next one. Absolutely. Well, I know that you uh, are sitting on a job site, which is why we're here <laughs> in the truck doing this podcast. So now you got some things to do. So let's wrap up pretty quick with the, the last thing is, is there anything you want to say to someone that's you know, trying to develop their team or trying to create a restoration company or step away from their job to do their own uh, environment. What What is the thing that you would say to someone looking to go that we haven't talked about, haven't asked about? Mm, I'd say it's really to stay committed and to have faith. You're going to hit those trials and tribulations. It's going to be dark and gloomy. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to get a claim, a commercial loss. Those things are going to happen. But you've just got to have faith in trial and tribulations and go back to the basics, drying a home and drying a commercial space at 400,000 square feet. The fundamentals are there and stay within the fundamentals and you'll be okay. And you'll learn from it. IDS it from the military. We do after action reviews on after every mission, certain things. When you have a big job, right or wrong, uh, profitable, not profitable, lost money, made mistakes, IDS it, after action review it. What are the three sustains that we need to keep and what are the three improves that we need to do and take those on every one of those lessons and carry them forward. And you'll always continue to improve. Yeah, man. I love it. I love it. Chris, thanks so much for being on and thanks for taking the time out of your day to to navigate this time with me. Um, For all the rest of you that are listening, thanks for joining us on business aspirin and we look forward to seeing you next time. Take care, Chris. Thank you, sir. This has been a business aspirin pain relief for business podcast. If you're a business owner trying to overcome your business pains, follow us on Apple Podcasts or visit our website for more information, job-docs.com.